Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Hello, people. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) I did again. I say hello too much. (laughs) Welcome to the Beauty Archeo. I'm your host, Professor Noir, and I am here with a very special guest, a wonderful artist and dear friend, a soul sister, (laughs) even though she's not black. It's not a cis she, but you know, you're... You're like you're gender fluid. I feel I like you've definitely grown to be Stephen Benedicto. No, Sorry, this, that's his name. <laughs> Stephen, introduce yourself. I'm Stephen. I'm <laughs> an artist who works in Washington D.C., which is always like a fun adventure. He's a Libra. He likes short walks on the beach, <laughs> long no, I'm days a in bed. Ooh, so Scorpio definitely likes definitely like short walks on the beach yeah, and exactly. long days in a dark room <laughs> in bed. For sure. Um, you are an artist. He is an amazing, I would say, multimedia visual artist, for sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, at this point, I kind of just do everything. You do. You do. So I, me and Steven first met years ago for a gay fundraiser involving underwear at a fashion show. And with your now husband, who's really nice oh and really God. fabulous. You're right. That is yes. when we met. That was forever ago. Like nine or ten years ago. Yeah. You were a fetus. You were so tiny. I was 19 years old. You, you, were, 19, you were 19? I was 19. I feel so old. <laughs> I don't look old, but I feel old right now. I'm a sexy old. Um, and then... <laughs> Carmen Dolores. And we like always like knew each other, but we didn't really hang out. And then I would say probably like four or five years... Was it four years ago? Three years ago? It's like three years ago. Yeah. We just started like working <laughs> together because you like really got involved in your art yeah and really explored it and you were doing photography and you do a really amazing photography oh my god this man can do some lighting like ever taken more of you specifically oh my hands down like not a question stop yeah i was actually just showing them to somebody at stable the other day i was like oh my god this is my favorite work like check this out this work i did with jason no i mean it's like awesome you're great to work with Thank you. I tried. I just had a swig of water. I was really thirsty. I have not had any water today. I've been just drinking coffee. It's really bad. Um, But after photographs, you really got more involved in like exploring your artwork. Definitely. Yeah. I've switched to like a physical medium now. Yeah. Um, Please describe it because it's really amazing to see like the finished product. So the finished product, you work with a lot of black and silver and slate and gray um, very little white, but when you do it, it's very intentional. Yeah. Or it's used as to kind of like highlight, you know, um, an angle or something like that. And your work is not just angular, but linear, I would say. It's very structured. Uh, can you just describe it to people? Just yeah. really, do you have like a, a, a nutshell way of describing mm. it? So I would say they're just really satisfying objects. That's like the work I was creating in 2018. It's these carved undulating waves of plaster Mm -hmm. and I've buffed graphite into them. So it looks like a solid sheet. That's a shiny graphite. That it's so amazing. Like the finished product too. Cause I, you don't really, you know that there's so much work that goes into it yet. You don't see the work. Right. I'm, (laughs) 
I see the work because I sit there for hours on end. Oh yeah, you do carving these. It's like it's it's torturing myself. Oh, it's literally torturing myself. The, okay, so like you have to also see my friend Stephen here and the way we're both dressed. One, we look like a <laughs> Japanese like gay goth band. Not even goth band, like gay emo. We slightly do goth, you know, kind of band. Exactly. So you're wearing a black. Was it? Is that the Saint Laurent blouse? This is actually this is one that I just got in Korea. This is the shirt I got instead of. The bags I was texting you about. Oh, okay, but where is it from? Or it's is it from Saint Laurent. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's from Saint Laurent. Oh, it's from Saint Laurent. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's the other one. <laughs> it's the other Saint Laurent blouse. Okay. Thank you, Victoria Beckham. <laughs> so he's wearing the other Saint Laurent blouse, black one, with it like unbuttoned down to like almost the navel, and then a black like harness, little harness that's wrapped around the neck, little keyhole um 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 link. And then, like, yeah. another strap that goes down just right into the sternum. It's very sexy. I love it. It's like a tie. It's it like a is. tie, but not. It's definitely not a tie, but it right. kind of is a tie. Exactly. It definitely says business, but fetish. Exactly. <laughs> and then you're wearing black skinny jeans, which I love. Yeah. And a nice silver ring. What is this ring? Oh, this is my wedding ring. Oh, it's like all these little that's cute, y'all cubed, so chic, cubed diamonds in the side of it. Oh, whoa! I know they're raw; they're not polished. It's oh, like, I oh, did you just say raw diamonds? I fucking hate you right now. Why? Because I've always said this, and men who want to get married to me, if you're listening, I'm giving you the secret. <laughs> I've always wanted a raw diamond for my engagement ring. It's fabulous. It's powerful. It is. It's powerful. It's so chic. I want the witchiest engagement ring you oh can my find. God. I want a raw diamond. I don't even want a crazy setting. I just want the most simplified setting so you can just right. see the diamond and just floating on the hand. No, that's amazing. That's all I want. And I hate you for having raw diamonds. Why are we the same person? <laughs> this happens all the time. By the way, we didn't even talk about getting dressed together. We just got dressed and met up. So I'm also wearing a black silky blouse. It is not Saint Laurent. Um, it's gorgeous though. Thank you. It has thank really you. nice like Type, it's like not white lines, but I don't know how to describe. It's like it. a it's pajama like nice blouse. Details. It's like a pajama inspired blouse. So it's like a white piping. It's super cute around it. And I, it's frankly because it's not, it's not, it's not Saint Laurent though. I think it's, it's like cost, but like, you know what? This little harness thing that I'm wearing though, it was like literally seven dollars off of Amazon. So I love mixing like. Really high and low exactly high and low mixing the high and the low well, like going well, you know well, drifting and then mixing it with like designer pieces and just being like a weird eclectic mess well it's nice it's fun i'm glad that you're saying that because i was gonna say this about your art as well that it's very you have a lot of asian inspiration i feel like oh my god in your aesthetic so much so much so, so much. much asian inspiration um and that is going to be our subject today, where we're talking about Harajuku fashion. Mm. So mix, talking about mixing the high and the low, um, even the other side of the maximalism of Harajuku fashion, which is the other side of Japanese aesthetic, which is this beautiful, clean finish. Yes. But the work is kind of underneath, and like you don't see it, but the work is to create that clean finish and to create that sense, that sense of not even simplicity, but like complexity yeah very condensed complexity so let's take a little break and then we're going to come back and we're going to dive like head first into the nerd bowl cool. that is harajuku fashion I'm all right let's do this Go. Like that. You think you can handle more if I give you my squeeze and I need you to push right back. 
The Beauty RKO. I am your host, Professor Noir. We're broadcasting live here from the Lion Hotel and Full Service Radio. So, just so I don't know if you're just now joining us and you're like, what's going on? Like, there's a break. Why are they playing all this music? This is the Beauty RKO. This is a fashion history comedy podcast. I love to laugh and I love to talk about history. I'm talking about history here with my friend, dear multimedia artist, Stephen Benedicto. Say hello. Say hello to the people. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we say hello here. We don't say hey. (laughs) (laughs) The full hello. We say the full hello. For the drama of it all. I should save time, but you know, why save time? (laughs) I have nothing but time. Um, So today is a very fun episode. We're going to be talking about Harajuku fashion in Japan with the Petticoat Brigade is what I like to call them. Um, so in the 19, late 1970s, so I want to say around 1979, some people are credited to that, more around 1980, a sense of style was developing in the Harajuku district in Japan. Um, the Harajuku district is a district in Shibu, uh, Shibuya, Japan, Tokyo, Japan. Harajuku is, co- is the common name given to a geographic area spreading from the Harajuku station of Omo, of Omo de Santo to Sando. Okay, you can help me with these words. Omorosando. Thank you, because yes. you are much better with this. Nice practice so hard. <laughs> and I'm having a Fox News anchor white lady moment where I cannot it's, say shit. It's hard. It's really, but that disturbs me because I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, whatever, I'm just going to give up. I'm like, no, I need to know this. So <laughs> say it one more time. It's Omorosando. Omorosando. Yeah, in Shibuya. In Shibuya. Yes. Um, so that was just a little, like, Wikipedia moment, just so you know where it is. Um... Harajuku is known internationally as the center of Japanese youth culture and fashion. Shopping and dining options and blah, 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 that's all there. Um, There's a lot of youth-oriented independent boutiques and cafes. So it's this hub um, of youth, of that energy, but what that energy does and how it physicalizes into the expression of aesthetic, into the expression of ideas, and social interaction. And that is where Harajuku fashion came from. Um, you've been to Japan. Yeah, I've been three three times. Three I'm times. Kind of obsessed. Yeah. yeah, well, to get those Sanrao tops, obviously. <laughs> you just have to keep it's going so back. It's so embarrassing. I always get, like, global brands when I travel. It's, I shouldn't do that. You but. shouldn't do that. Like, what's no. wrong with you? God. Well, it's actually <laughs> just really joking. funny. No, it's funny because in the, Feeling the, his feelings. the the Harajuku area, Motosando area, they and I'm actually curious to get your opinion on this, but they have all of these thrift stores and they're now like really expensive. Exactly. Well, the thing is, is so like Harajuku fashion is a it's a whole, it's all about rebellion against the norm yeah. and against like the norm of the norm of the culture at that time. Totally. Patriarchal. A, I mean, a lot of things were patriarchal and still are. So, you know, but everyone reacts to trying to change and trying to develop a sense of belonging, a sense of identity in some way. Um, sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's negative. And this was actually, I would say, that's why I call it the Petticoat Brigade, cause it's, or even the Petticoat Wars, because it's one of those times where it was like the most positive, yeah. where it was, we're not necessarily going to go against the previous generation and their norms with violence and a lot. I mean, there was definitely protests. Like, this is the 80s. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? But it was more like, let's also, like, express this 
in a way that really subverts everything and really transports you to a whole new world. And it's funny because, like, I really wanted to see what fashion looked like then and what people, like, especially, like, the early, early stuff in the 80s. And so you have these different styles developing the Harajuku fashion culture. You have Kwai, you have um, cosplay. The Lolita goth Lolita yeah, is totally. very, very popular. Um, it's so for people weird and who so may, popular. And a lot of you may have seen it. It is the... I mean, it is the most extreme maximalist idea and physicalized onto a person of like a, a goth doll baby. So it's like really <laughs> yeah, basically. like, yeah, like a creepy Victorian doll, basically. And it's like really, really frilly, like really frothy baby doll dresses cut lots really high. Lots of lace. Yeah. Lots of lace, you know, lots of petticoats, lots of crinoline. Um, lots of black and white, um, heavy makeup, very heavy makeup where, you know, you do just, you know, are getting almost full skeleton, you know, you're... That's a good, I, uh, that's a really good summary. It's like a doll, like a creepy doll. It like is. their makeup is kind of emulating a creepy child's doll. So, I mean, that basically sums it up. And the thing is, is like, you can say it like that too. It's just like, oh, it's just, it's just a creepy doll. But it's like, actually, no, I'm taking something that's so innocent and also so Western. Yeah, like this no, doll is not so looking true. like a Japanese. I didn't think about that, but child. Totally right. The doll is like the most Western idea of childhood, of innocence, and taking it into a whole nother level. That's the darkest, most hellish way you could think of it, and then giving it a whole new light because it's brought out in the day. Yeah. So a lot of this Harajuku culture, I need to stop saying that word after a while because I feel like I'm going to like wear it out. Harajuku? Yeah. <laughs> I feel it's, like it's, it's fun like, to say. I, it is. I'm almost feel like it's going to happen. Yeah. But like, you say, say it again. Say it again. Harajuku. Yes. Ooh, look at you. Um, but a lot of this culture, well, not even a lot of it, it's, its roots are in Sundays. So on Sundays, yes. the youth would go down to Amorosanto. Yes. Yes. Amorosanto. And um, how is your... Takashita... Sh- actually, it's Takashita Dora Street. No, I... Actually, it's just Takashita Street because Dora is street and it's like saying ATM machine. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So it's Takashita Street. Ta- Takashita Street. Takashita Dori. I think it's Dori. Street. Ta- anyway, unimportant. No, that's, that's important. Like, that's important. Yeah. That's actually... No, that is very important because that's where they are and that's what we're talking about. So yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for that fact. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, so, like, you know, like, tons of, like, teenagers, young people, like, ranging from the ages of, like, I mean, what do we say? What, like, 13 to, like, 18, you know what I mean? Like, gathering, yeah. gathering in these spaces and then really expressing themselves starting in, like, the 80s with very extreme fashion. Totally. And uh, I, some of the stuff that I saw, the early stuff, that's how I originally started this comment, um, was the rockabilly fashion. Yeah. So it was like early rockabilly. It looked very like grease lightning. I actually found some pictures on um, Pinterest because I always mention Pinterest because I can't stop. Um, but this is one of my favorite pictures, and it is of five young Japanese girls, um, pretty much looking like the pink ladies from Grease Lightning. God. Like, I mean, literally, like posted up, one leg on the ground, another leg resting on something else. 
You know what I mean? Oh, no. Are they walking? No, they're walking. Sorry. It looks like they're posted up. Because uh, it looked like there was a pole behind it's them. It's a no. very vague image. Yeah. They're, it looks it's like they're, so they're like actually in motion. Yeah. But it's so consistent. It looks like they're leaning on something. But exactly. They're, they're in motion, but their legs are very consistent. Like the left leg is all is up. Oh, crap. Sorry. <laughs> but the left leg is up. And um, they're wearing the classic 1950s like cupcake skirt as I'm going to call it, quote-unquote cupcake skirt, but it's an A-line skirt that's very full. Mm. It falls down, like, just below the calf, and it has about two to three layers of crinoline, which is a tulle underskirt that goes underneath to give it a lot of fullness and to give it body. Crinoline? Um, Crinoline. That sounds like a drug. I mean, don't give the the companies an idea. (laughs) Don't ruin fashion for me. Don't you ruin crinoline. She ain't do nothing to you. Don't you bastardize (laughs) crinoline. It's the most innocent thing. In the world. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of innocent. Like, it's like prom dress fabric. Like, it's... it's. I didn't know. know that's what it was called. Yes. I've, I've seen it a billion times, but I didn't realize. Anyway. No, it's fine. What's the difference um, between crinoline and tulle? Sorry. Well, crinoline is, like, what the actual item is. Tulle is what crinoline is made of. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Tulle is the fabric. Crinoline is the, is the silhouette in the actual item. So, okay. the underskirt. That's what a crinoline is. Okay. Yeah, and it's a specific, it's a specific layered underskirt that was done in the 1950s, uh, popularized by Dior okay. with the new look. Um, and so mm. what it does, instead of doing like layers of petticoats, which is what women wore back from like the 1910s on back, that's what they wore under their skirts. So the underskirts were petticoats. That petti- must have been so warm. Exactly. So, so they were Dior, like, oh, So too- Dior, I know we're about to go way back. So Dior in the 1950s, what made the new look so crazy is that people were already rationing fabric after the World War II and rationing fabric during World War II. Yeah. He created these looks that involved layers and layers of fabric. So people were like, what the fuck? Like, we're in the midst of, like, trying to clean up Europe and yeah. literally rebuild. And you are making these garish garments that were, like, really excess. That were, like, excess. excess. Yeah. And he, what he did instead of doing the layers of petticoats that, you know, his mom and his grandmothers wore, he created this thing where it was a silhouette of just a, a one piece and then on that one piece cut in A-line, you would then layer on the tool. Got it. So it was just yeah. one petticoat that gave it tons of fullness. So that's what these girls are wearing. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. See, this is why I love chatting way, with you. Yeah, we I went, get like a level of detail that's <laughs> next level. We went way back. <laughs> next and level detail. Went way back to the 1950s, coming back to the 1980s. Um, but like this is, this is, so we're, like, this is like the start. It's like them taking the most like popularized, most Americanized Western images, not just Americanized, but Western images, yeah. and then taking it to a whole nother level that's really costume, but is so real. That's, I think, the thing is about um, this whole entire style, this whole entire ideology is that Harajuku, when you look at it, a lot of people, if you first look at it, you're like, oh, well, they're just wearing a costume. No, there is, an, there is a full embodiment of what they're wearing, and yeah. that's what they're expressing, you know, in in these areas. You know, what's interesting is I don't know how much, like how correct this is, but you keep bringing up the Western influences on all of these Harajuku things. And it like when you're Japanese, that's your identity, right? Like 
that's that's really important being Japanese. Yeah. So one of the most subversive things you can do is adopt Western aesthetics and exactly. then wear them. So I mean, it makes sense. It's very consistent with the whole Harajuku yeah. punk feeling movement. It was literally in your face. It's like yeah. I'm not just gonna wear like a Michael Jackson tee or like a Rolling Stones totally. or like even just wear like maybe a leather jacket once in a while. No, I'm going to be fully realized like a fucking Happy Days cast. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And that's like so subversive. It's so and then for, for Japanese people. And I have to say, when the Japanese fucking do it, they fucking do it. Oh, they're like it's like the French level like refinement. Yeah, you know? like they're like we're gonna do this better than anybody like ever they, did it. When they do it, they really <laughs> they do <go>. it. <laughs> you yeah, know, they, they they go for it, and that's one of the things I really admire. Like, about them. yeah, people always say black people can play basketball, and like we know a lot of people can play basketball. But I will say this about the Japanese: when they want to do something. They fucking do it. Oh, yeah. And they go full throttle, especially <laughs> when it comes too. to fashion. Because yeah. it is so full body, though. That's the thing. It's like, I mean, I remember living in Paris. I had, in my class, I had a couple of Japanese students. And this class, this is like my French class. It was my fashion class. And they were very fashionable. And I remember, like, it was like a bunch of us hung out. It's like the, the Norwegian kids who were, like, so tall and sweet. The Japanese kids. And the Swedes, who are all really gorgeous and really nice, and they need to stop hugging you. Okay. <laughs> you cannot keep hugging me being that sexy. It's really fucked up. I want to go to Sweden. Oh, girl. I, would, I, I don't even know. I would need to take a Valium, because I would just I, lose my mind. <laughs> and I am not, just so you know, I am an all, I'm an all like, party when it comes to ethnicity kind of like man here. It's not just one. Like, I love all ethnicities. It's just when you tall and you real sexy, it's just, it's a lot for me. Everyone comes back from Sweden and they're like, oh my God, everyone there is so beautiful and tall and perfect. And I'm like, I don't know whether it's like a reinforcing thing where everybody says that. So everybody like comes back and wants to be no, consistent with each other. It's true. Or if it's true. And it's if it's true, true, I need to go there. It's true. It's true. I had 10 Swedish friends and they Ugh. were all, women too, all tall and gorgeous and really fucking nice. Just so generous. Yeah. It was ridiculous. But anyway, anyway, the Japanese kids, I remember there was like a bunch of us. We were just out shopping and blah, blah, blah. And just, and I'm a, again, like I'm a fashion nerd. So I watch people when they shop. You know what I mean? Like it's very, it's shopping for me is very important in the sense that like that's when the decisions about the wardrobe and what you dress like, that's what happens. It doesn't happen when you're trying to make an outfit out of nothing. It happens when you go <laughs> shopping. You buy the good pieces that's that you so can just true. put anything with. You go, you go to bed, you get, dressed, you get dressed halfway hungover, but you still look good. That's how I like to shop. These <laughs> girls, let me tell you when they were shopping, it was like a whole nother level. And it wasn't like they were just spending money. It was just like how they were putting like clothes together what did they like what did they do what was the process of going through the store were they just super meticulous or it wasn't meticulous it was just like their hands could pick out the coolest pieces in a store and they don't have to try them on they're just like go and then for the next month i just see them in like the most fabulous outfits and believe me i was just in real fabulous i look like lord fauntleroy and louis the 14th had a baby <laughs> it was cute okay it was cute but they were giving it so much harder i mean just like I mean, like, not in full Chanel, because they weren't necessarily super rich girls, but, like, yeah. in just, like, the most Chanel French-inspired, like, looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just effortless. Like, just effortless. Absolutely yeah. effortless. Everything fit perfectly. And I remember them buying those things, and they did not try them on at the store. So it was just, like, they, they, they knew. They understood. I'm not saying every Japanese person is like that, by God no means, but I'm yeah. just saying, when they do it, they fucking do well, it. They were, yeah. Um, so, you know, like, in discussing this whole thing, when we were discussing earlier and just kind of, like, trading ideas, 
ideas. Um, you said something really interesting. Um, Japanese fashion is also, because we were talking about shopping just now, and you said Japanese fashion is also curated by age specifically. You go to a different department, you go to different department stores, and their target demographic is very specific. And in Shibuya, um, the Japanese Times Square, quote unquote, there is a store called Men's 109. Yeah. It's a giant department store that is completely dedicated to boys who are basically when the, within the ages of 15 to 18. Yeah. So tell us so, more about this because there's there it, are funny stories. I tell. mean, it's funny because I was being taken around Japan by um, a friend who hooked me up with one of their friends who lived in Japan. Mm-hmm. So a Japanese person. And they were very specific. <laughs> so a Japanese person. Yeah, it, was a, it was a Japanese friend who I had here. And she was like, oh, my God, let me, like, hook you up with my friend who lives there. And he could take you all around. And he, like, took us all around. It was great. And this was one of the places he took us to. And they specifically mentioned beforehand that it's like, we were like, oh, we love shopping and we want to see all these things. And they said, well, you have to definitely check out the store, but it's specifically for kind of like young teens. Uh And we were like, oh, okay. Like, (laughs) we could totally find something. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we go in and we, we come out with like eight bags of like <laughs> oh of I thought like you were gonna like say, I thought you gonna be like oh we didn't find anything everything was no it was super cute we came out with like tons of bags no you had like a full shopping mo- yes, 1980s montage we, we totally did <laughs> we totally did and like I had like this Girls cute little just wanna have <laughs> exactly and we had this like or no I had this beautiful like green fleece jacket that I thought was super cool and like that's all they really want <laughs> Sorry, it's still I, stuck in my head. You having this montage. Go on, though. I hate that song. Fun <laughs> oh, fact. It's oh. like one of my least... I appreciate the sentiment of girls wanting to have fun, but I hate Thank the you. way that song sounds. Thank you for correcting that. It's so terrible. Just so people know. You know, I don't want them to think whatever. Anyway, um, so we come out with all these bags, and, and they could not stop laughing they thought it was hysterical <laughs> that we bought all of these things. And the reason is... I would have too. I was like, wait, like, why is this so funny? And they were like, it's because, like, it's very young clothes. It's like going to the children's department <laughs> and getting the extra, extra. Like, it's that weird. Like having a shopping spree in no, the children's department literally, in Macy's. Literally. And coming out, like, I found all of these cool things. I mean... And, like, I, I think what really, like, sunk in in that moment... <laughs> like, they have sales, you guys! Sales! <laughs> no, but, like, really what sunk in in that moment was that they take really seriously, like, these different categories, like, these age pockets. And, yeah. like, it's absurd to buy outside of that. And, you know, back to Harajuku culture, you wear, like, anything at any age. It's, and it's, like, breaking yeah. all of that. Well, I mean, again, like the Lolita goth, you're dressing like a full-on exactly. baby. And some of these people are like 25. Yeah, the kawaii, like, the kawaii is actually, the Lolita goth, I would say, is like very popularized from the 90s and early 2000s, who we will talk about, who is a person of Western descent who helped popularize that, but mm, in a very problematic yeah. way now. Um, but kawaii <laughs> is kind of the new, larger aesthetic, or like most popularized aesthetic out of Harajuku, that has really like taken off all over the world. And that is also, like we were saying before, is like people who are like full grown adults who own Fortune 500 companies go to Burning Man, you know, in full Kauai, <laughs> which is. Is there a way for you to describe Kauai? Because I was trying to find like a really good definition. Yeah. I would say, uh, what so, would you say? Because I, I definitely have my own definition. It's amazing, but. 
I mean, it depends on how much you know. Kawaii obviously just means cute. Mm-hmm. And so it's like maximalist meets cute aesthetic. And if you're familiar with the Tokidoki, I think it's the brand. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. So if you like are into Marvel and stuff like that, like you've totally seen Tokidoki hoodies and they basically make these adorable little chibi cartoon mm-hmm. Marvel characters and they just like proliferate that little image yeah. over like the entire garment. Exactly. And so that kind of encapsulates the kawa- like the kawaii aesthetic. I kind of always say Lisa Frank as a person. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, like if Lisa Frank looked more like if she had like people, like more people, like Lisa yeah. Frank people, like this. If the Lisa Frank was a cartoon <laughs> of like students in a high school, that's what they would look like. Yeah, and it's a little. I do have to say, so and like, not coming for people because I love Lisa Frank, <laughs> and a little bit more pastel. Like Lisa Frank is kind of like offensively saturated. She is. I mean, but I mean, is kawaii not offensively saturated and pastels? No, you're you're right. Like you're I feel right. like I'm in a Neapolitan ice cream. No, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not super different. No, but it's it's it is it's it's a beautiful aesthetic too, and it's it's very it's an aesthetic that brings joy. I feel like when people see it, you know what I mean. I mean, totally. I think also not just joy, but I think some people, a lot of people, have very extreme reactions to what's happening to what Harajuku has done, um, and like what it looks like, and then also like the the widespread effect it has and the widespread legacy. Um, and it's interesting when people have these really crazy reactions to us, even like negative reactions. I feel like it's wild to me, How do you but not like it. But also at the same time, I that's I think that's the roots of it, though. Remember, it's like yeah. it's about that rebellion. No, oh, that's and, true. I mean, and, that's true. And the rebellion is the good and the bad. You know, what I mean, the good, the bad, and the ugly. You take it all because you want people to react. You want people to think. You want people to feel. You want people to question. And whether it's positive or negative, it's done its job. That's true. <laughs> It's done its job. It's, true. it's kind of without like, even saying words or lifting a finger. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it is. It is the petticoat brigade. You know. That's such a good. Yeah, that's perfect. I was wondering why you like had titled that. The explanation makes perfect sense. Um, it's really okay. So I was like looking up like different like fashion articles about it, and <laughs> I was doing research too. <laughs> one of the things that I just love, just in my research, is just like the key elements of Harajuku style, mix and match. Harajuku style is about visually and mentally refreshing contrast. Look cute. <laughs> Never forget. <laughs> yeah. That, that part, I was just like, wait a minute. Because I was just like, because the rest of the article is actually really cool. It yeah. gave me a lot of ideas and like it explained a lot in very plain way about like where the style was coming from and everything. But then like that part, I was just like, oh my God, there's this list on the elements of style. It's going to really break it down into like totally. different cultures. And like, and it was just like, look cute. And I was like, oh. <laughs> You're like, wait, isn't that the goal of all oh, fashion yeah, everywhere uh, of was, all time? She, she had me for a minute. She had me at mix and match. And I was like, we're really about to, we just, she lost me. Be confident wearing clothes. Thank you so much. Key list of style. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it kind of the like be but cute. True. Be cute actually has a lot of weight in this context, like hidden weight because the kawaii culture. You know yes. what I mean? Like cute kawaii cute, not yes. just like oh look cute, like the colloquial phrase like cute. Yes, so, that's I mean, a like, really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. I I I want to also like we have to like talk about this one thing though. Because this, I'm, we're going to kind of end on this. We can't end it like negatively, but we're going to say it. So, I don't know about you, but when I mean, you were like a child. You were a baby when this happened because you're like only five years old right now. 
Um, I'm 28. <laughs> you're 28? I'm 28. I still think you're 23. You're but also I met 23. You when I was 19. You'll always be 23 to me. Oh, uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, but I was introduced to Harajuku fashion when a very famous singer from who formal formal singer from No Doubt former singer oh from No Doubt. Oh my god! I was so hoping that this was. Oh, it's come definitely up. coming up. There's a huge thing. I like even have the Times article about it. It was like 2004 or whatever. This right? is two. Okay, so this is 2004. The Times magazine articles were in 2014, which was released in a new album. Yeah. Since then, and so lest we forget about Gwen Stefani's <laughs> Harajuku girls. Okay. <laughs> um, the Harajuku girls are four Japanese and Japanese American backup dancers featured Love in ba- Angel Music Baby. Yes, wait, featured in stage shows, music videos, and music videos for Gwen Stefani during her solo pop dance r- career. Um, they were also they were her entourage basically. The Harajuku girls are Maya Chino, Love, Jennifer Kita, Angel, Reno um, Nakason, Nakasone Music, and Mayuko Kitty. Kitayama, Mayuko Kitayama, baby. The name of the group is the reference to Harajuku, and they were in Tokyo. The stage, the stage names of the women were derived from Stefani's from Stefani's Love Angel Music Baby, the album, which was the name of her first album. Sorry, which yeah. is the name of her first album. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I really loved that song. I was like so young when that came out. Yeah, I. So, I mean, like, when it happened, like, everybody was into it. Like, yeah. lest we forget. It was a huge fashion. And it fashion. was, like, over then. Yeah, it was a huge fashion moment. It was, like, people did not know about this in America, really. Or I mean, it was already happening in America. Yeah. And, like, we actually did see it quite often, but we didn't know what it was called. No, exactly. Yeah, that's And we so weren't true. giving it its respect. Because I remember seeing this type of fashion in the 90s, even growing up in D.C., mm-hmm. and just being, like, so awed by it. But we weren't giving it its respect. And so... You know, like, she put the name out there kind of like Madonna did for Vogue, but also just, like, the same thing to a oh, certain degree. A yeah. <clears throat> you know, it was problematic, really, at the end of the day. You know? It totally was. She basically, like, used these girls. She did. She did. I mean, she... she and it's funny because, like, in this Times Magazine article that was written in 2014 about, they're like, she should have been canceled, like, a long time ago. For this, like, but for this, this was before the whole cultural appropriation thing was like a real hot topic. It was, and I have mixed feelings, you know, obviously, but whatever. Like, and but the thing is, is like, as an artist, like, I, I'm very much so like, we should always culturally experiment. We should always delve into other cultures and learn about them and get your hands in them and understand. But also don't bastardize and exploit. You know what I mean? So yeah, I mean it's a difference. You're right when you're selling an album. Like, and, I, and I think that's what, on. and that's the thing. It's like it wasn't just the selling of an album. It was she did rename these women who have real legal names: Love Angel Music Baby. You know, what I mean, it became they were very much so an Asian blackface, at which Margaret Cho at the time actually called it that. Really? Yeah, she was very upset about it. <gasps> oh Margaret Cho actually said this, even though to me a Japanese schoolgirl uniform is is kind of like blackface. I am, I am just in acceptance over it because something is better than nothing. An ugly picture is better than a blank space. It means that one day we will have another display at the Museum of Asian Invisibility that groups of children will crowd around in disbelief because once upon a time, we weren't there. Oh my God. 
So like she's so I didn't realize Margaret Cho was so like profound. Well, Margaret, I mean, I, Margaret Cho is very profound. You got, I mean, listener I've comedy, loved her yeah, for, forever. Listener comedy, listener interview. She's very profound, but she was very right. I mean, like it's the same thing that happens with African Americans, with people of different, of uh, people of people of color in general, where you know race is very much so exploited. Um, and you know, we're in America. We're talking about it. And it's it's really awesome. Um, but it, it's it's kind of interesting because we watch this, and I definitely indulged yeah. in it. You know, I totally. indulged in the fashion to a certain totally. degree. I've done the songs, you know what I mean, like in drag, and it does make me question, like, w- what are the inspirations, things like that. But I don't know. I mean, how do you feel as an artist? Like, I mean, and also- we're like we were in the postmodern era, and we're like arguably past it now. But like, I, I think it's ridiculous to not pull inspiration from other cultures and reference it and like use it in your artwork. But I also think there's a difference between making artwork for the sake of expression and then making artwork to be like commoditized and sold and yeah. proliferated. And like, that's a, a and I will take thing. you one step further. This is why you should learn your history because people will realize that we as humans have, li- have traveled everywhere. Totally. We have been, not everywhere, but we've been to a lot of places. And so if you're trying to even find yourself in a certain culture that is not originally of yours, you may actually, when you learn your history, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, I always think about, I mean, again, like I always think about the Africans of the diaspora and that whole movement and how we don't really talk about the full African-American experience in America and like what African-Americans were achieving even in the 1800s in the face of adversity during slavery, what they're achieving outside of that. Right. I just watched this, started watching a documentary by Henry Louis Gates about reconstruction, which I encourage everyone, no matter what race you are, but if you live in America and if you have PBS even abroad, please watch it. It is the period of American history that everyone just mm-hmm. graces over. And it is the most pivotal part of American history, where at one point we had seven people, like seven black people elected to Congress. Like, can we talk about that? You know what I mean? Like, it was a very pivotal moment. Like, it gives you a, it tells you why things are the way they are in the 20th century. So please watch this. But nonetheless, like, I think about that. I think about the fact that, like, even in France in the 1700s, Marie Antoinette's music teacher and the head of the Royal Guard and the head of the Royal Orchestra at one point is a black was a black man who had yeah. who was born of royal blood and was given a title because his father left it to him which was very rare to happen but nonetheless happened one of the wealthiest women in England during the 1700s Dido Bell black woman almost had like no social power but had so much money you yeah. know what I mean like we have to talk about these people in the diaspora and they're some of the most famous Queen Victoria had a black goddaughter for God's sakes like we have to talk about not yeah. and not just the black people we have to talk about everyone being in these different places. Right. You know, not every white person was evil when they went somewhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we have to, like, white people, if you don't want to feel bad about this, look into your history. Understand, like, where people were, what relationships were about. It's very convoluted. Nothing is black and white. But it goes back into, like, you know, what was going on with race and the experimentation of culture mm-hmm. in art, even up to now, and how, we're, how it's really changed. And, you know, we as artists have to really think about the things that we do and but also at the same time that's a learning experience right that's a moment to be like you know what let me see about this work let me understand this work let me understand what my relationship with this work really actually means yeah 
Which I, I, don't I always think go into a, a soapbox. Single, well, no, 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 it's true. I mean, I don't think any single person who was listening to Harajuku Girls, yeah, <laughs> was like really considering what their relationship to that whole aesthetic was. No, they not didn't at understand. All. They didn't even understand like what it was. No, no, no. Yeah. I don't think so at all. I think like we got a basics. Like, oh, it's from Japan. Where? Right. You know what I mean? Like people didn't even know Harajuku is an actual place. Right. You know what I mean? So it's just like, but. Again, like times are changing. Right. Times are changing. You know, maybe this is a chance to revisit what that album was and kind of pick it apart and then look into something further. Yeah. Or maybe it's not because it's just Gwen Stefani and I know I love you, Gwen. Wasn't that profound? I mean, the, the lyrics <laughs> of that song yeah. were pretty like brain dead. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, Harajuku like girls, I like the way that you are. Yeah, Harajuku like, Girls by Rodgers and Hammerstein. Like, that's what it was for me. <laughs> what was the, the lyric? She goes, Harajuku Girls, I like the way that you are. I am your biggest fan, something, something, something. I think so. It was weird. Yeah, it was like, I mean, it like literally doesn't. I'm not going to look it up because like I don't want to waste battery power on Gwen Stefani lyrics. That's a but... really good choice. That's, <laughs> a, that's a good life choice. Um, nonetheless, before we wrap up, I would just like to say that um, when you have a chance, please uh, go online, go on to the uh, podcast Beauty Archeo, your fashion history, pod- fashion history comedy podcast, the Beauty Archeo Facebook page, and I will obviously post the episode when it's up, and you guys can listen to the episode again if you want to and take notes, because I'm going to test you all in a year um, <laughs> for the final exam. Um, no, I'm not really. But also, like, put in your comments. Um, I love to, like, discuss with people. I really want to start more discussions about history and, like, what it relates to us now and how these cultures relate to us now. So please, you know, throw in your opinions. Um, just remember, everyone's entitled to opinion, but sometimes not always valid. Saying that, <laughs> I'm talking about please not throw in negative opinions. Please make sure they are educated opinions because um, I want to have an educated conversation. And you can also follow me under the Beauty Archeo on Instagram. And I like to post pictures. I have not done that in a while, so I'm going to post a lot in the next couple of days. So just follow me because you're going to see a lot of content like a lot, like a, a bunch, like videos, pictures, sexy pictures of Paul Newman. I found a really sexy picture of Paul Newman <laughs> for no reason. I just I, really want to post that because it was like just a fashion history moment of just sexiness. I, I really hope people are going to get a picture of your chrome manicure. My, oh, my nails. Yeah, oh, I mean, they're, they're yeah, amazing. I oh, can't stop staring at them. They're like jewels that are like gesticulating. And this is like old. Like this is like like two weeks like yeah. in. I know it's like coming apart though. I need to get it redone. Um... But I love all of you for listening, and that was really weird to say. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Steven, thank you so much for coming and being here. And people can look for your work. What is your website? StephenBenedicto.com. Can you spell Benedicto? Because people don't know how to spell. Yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I especially way don't. Is to probably like follow me on Instagram. What is that? It's Stephen Benedicto, one word, S T E P H E N, and then my last name Benedicto, B E N E D I C T O. It's like an Italian eggs Benedict. It, it, it's literally like eggs Benedict, but with an O at the end. With an O, yeah. So yeah. Stephen eggs Benedict. Um, <laughs> okay, now nobody is gonna. Forget <laughs> that. But follow his work because it's really amazing. And I, you. your professor, Professor Noir, will see you in class again. Make sure you're awake. Make sure your iPads are charged because mine's wasn't. Have <laughs> <laughs> a good day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on Full Service Radio, broadcasting and recording from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. 
Full-service radio programming can be accessed live and archived on fullserviceradio.org. Our talk programming is available on most podcast apps like iTunes and Stitcher, and our DJ sets are available on mixcloud.com slash fullserviceradio. Full Service Radio features over 30 weekly shows and over 50 local hosts covering every topic imaginable. If you want to be a guest or get involved, email us at info at fullserviceradio.org. Follow us on Twitter at FullServiceRDO, on Instagram and Facebook at Full Service Radio. Thanks for listening.